want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. series called Battles, and um, one of the things that we're starting every message off in the series we're in is is, with a saying that uh, we always go back to, and this is the one thing everybody needs to know. Now, now listen, if you haven't made one of the series yet, one of the messages, uh, this is really kind of where it all starts. We always start with this one statement. Every person in this room is in a battle. Every person in this room is in a battle. Now, you may not know if you're in a battle or not, or you may be surprised, like, I don't really know what battle I'm in. If you don't know you're in a battle, you're probably losing. Just, just FYI, just to let you know. If you don't know, you're probably losing. But let me just show you a little bit of the battles that you're in right now that you just need to be aware of. Uh, right now, there are multi-millions and billions of dollars being spent on advertisement. And the men and the women who are putting these advertisements together would really love for you never to have an original thought. They would really love for you to only think what they want you to think and and chew on what they want you to chew on or go where they want you to go. Um, This is their business. And their business is uh, to give you the thoughts to think. And there is a battle right now for the thoughts that you think. There really is. It's rare these days to have an original idea, original thought. And if you do, that's wonderful. But you've got to pay attention to are you winning the battle of your mind. The next one is there's always a battle for your heart, constantly. There's a constant battle for your heart. There's always a choice being made. Do I choose life or death? Do I choose life or death? If you had to sum up life and all of its choices, it can be narrowed down to two things. Do you choose life or do you choose death? Uh, there's battle for marriages, there's battle for kids, there's, battle, there's battles that you can't see, and there's battles that you can see. But I just want to be aware of everybody, for everybody here today, this series is to kind of draw attention to the battles that we're in. And we're going to cover many different things in the next several weeks, but today we have specifically picked one out that we wanted to talk to you. Now before we go any further, let me just say, uh, very rarely around here do we pull out the PG-13 sign. It's kind of fun though when we do, because um, it kind of gets everybody's attention. Now when you came into the church today, you saw the sign outside that said, hey, just warning, this is a PG-13 message today, so if you do have a little one that uh, doesn't, uh, you know, you're, you're going to probably be asked questions later. We're not going to be cussing. Okay, you won't see blood and violence. We just want you to be aware that this uh, is a PG-13 message. So be prepared to answer some questions later, okay? With that, I'd like to introduce the um, topic for today. And today, what battle do we find ourselves in? The battle for 
your community. Did you know that there is a battle for the very community you live in? I just want to make this real. The state of New Mexico is in a battle right now, okay? Lee County is in a battle, constant battle, constant battle. Your city, wherever you call uh, your home. And yesterday, I kind of went down the, the list from north to south. I said, if you're from Tatum, if you're from Lovington, if you're from Lo- uh, Lo- Tatum, Lovington, uh, Hobbs, Eunice, Jow, and um, all, Humble City, uh, all places in between. And Heather said, Ty, it's not just Lee County. We've got people that come here from Eddy County. We have people who come here from Carlsbad, Artesia. We have people who come here from Seminole, from Plains. There's a lot of representation here today of communities. Wherever you call home, there's a battle for your community. And we're going to talk about those battles today. But at the same time, there's a battle for your home community, your family community. And if you don't know your family is in a battle right now, you might be losing. Okay? And so we're going to talk about this. We're going to stir this up. Now, to kick us off today, I want to look at a portion of Scripture that is found in the New Testament about an Old Testament person. Okay? And I want you to see something said about King David in Acts that's pretty fascinating. Now, for all our theologians in the room uh, that want to write me a letter and say, you didn't use that Scripture properly. I know. I know. And let me just kind of tell you, this is a part we, I want you to see. They are referring to Jesus here, okay? And the scripture, the portion of scripture is to show the Jewish people the deity of Jesus. And what it's doing is taking good people, people who, if I turned to you right now and said King David, everybody would instantly go to King David. We all know who that is, okay? And it would say King David was a good man. He wasn't a great man. He did some dumb stuff. But in essence, he was a good man for our community, but it's using the word decay, and it's saying even good men die, okay? But Jesus was the Son of God, and you'll find no decay in him. So for all the Bible theologians, you're like, okay, listen, shh. Let me just show you something real quick. What it says about David is a pretty awesome thing as a side note to the representation of Jesus here. And it says something that I turned to the staff the other day and said, if you guys, if I die someday, and you guys are looking for an epitaph for me, what to put on my tombstone, this is a pretty awesome epitaph, okay? And it says this, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Okay, just go with me. I know you can say, I think we can do better than that, Ty. Just go with me. And the reason why I think this is such a big deal is because it was pointing to David, and let me put this in, in some words that we can understand. David served God's purpose in his generation and died. If you put that on somebody's tombstone, that says a lot. In a short amount of words... David served God's purpose in his generation and died. Could you find a better representation of a life well lived? And this is a kickoff today because David made mistakes. You all know the mistakes David read. And and if you think David's a great guy and you haven't read your Bible yet, get ready. uh, Buckle your seatbelt and you'll see that there's hope for everybody. What makes David so great, he was a great rebounder. 
Don't forget that. If you're in this room and you get convicted at any point of the message today, just remember this. David was a great rebounder. God loves rebounders. God loves rebounders. God loves it when you rebound. We don't stay where you're at, but you, you go to where he wants you to go. You do what he asks you to do. And even though David was a great rebounder, it said that he served, his, he served God's purpose in his life to his generation, and he died. And today, I'm going to talk to you about two things that I think we need to make aware of and talk about for this incredible community that we live in. We are pretty blessed to live in America, but we're pretty blessed to be in the state of New Mexico, in Texas, if you're here from Texas. For all of our college kids, let me just let you in. Um, We consider you a community member. I know that you come from a million different places, but when you came here, we believe that God brought you here for a reason. We truly believe that you add to our community by being scholar-athletes, by being students, by being representation of your college, your teachers, your professors, all these, all these people. And, and while you live here, we are here to protect you, but we're also asking you to contribute. Uh, the reason why we're asking you to contribute, because when you leave here someday, if we didn't deposit anything else in your life but the fact that you were loved and you learned how to love, you learned two powerful things. You might have left with an education, and you might have had a great time doing it. But while you're here, if you learned that you were loved, and you learned how to love, those are two powerful things. Those are two powerful things that any community you build from this moment on. You go live anywhere, but if you always know that you're loved, and you're here to love, you're going to be great in that community. And you're going to be great in a family someday if you learn those two things. And it's just one thing to realize we're a part of this community. So with it, let me introduce you to two things that I want to talk to you about today. Okay, One of them, and we're going to get this going, is something that I, I think is so important. Um, th- this statement I want you to get, everyone wants the world to change until it involves changing the world. And this is the uh, eye-opener, of course, to any time we try to make something better. Or any time we try to uh, ask people to believe for their community. Everyone wants something to be done until it involves us actually doing something. Uh, I don't know how you are, but majority of the people I've met, uh, in fact, I I, I think that um, I'm kind of a rarity in the fact that um, nobody likes me for this reason. Uh, I like to change. (laughs) I love change. Let's just change the change. You know, let's just change it. I'm... And that's why some people say, mm, we don't like Thai because we like things to stay the same, okay? So for all the people in there, all the 10 percenters in the room that you're like, I like change, <laughs> I like change too. But all the other 90%, I like things to stay the same. This is sometimes why things don't get better. It's because we all want the world to change. <sighs> Until it involves changing your world. And that's something we need to break out of. Are we willing to even change our world so it changes our community? One of the things we're going to talk about today is the foster care system. Okay? And one of the things that I note about the foster care system in Lee County is it is enormous. And you're going to find information about it today. And if today you're like, wait, well, I came here to learn about Jesus, <laughs> you're about to. You're about to. But I grew up when the word I grew up in a church where the word was preached. And then nobody did anything with it. And I decided I want to pastor a church to where we would preach the word, but then we would find out the practical application of how this changes people's lives. 
And if we were to able, if we were to be able as a group of people to affect the foster care uh, system just in Lee County alone, just in Lee County, do you realize that when you look at a generation later, what our community looks like and how different it would be if we just affected this group right here? Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. When you think of the need of how much, how many kids there are in Lee County or communities that need help, it's a little overwhelming. It's way overwhelming, okay? But I've lived by a motto that I've stood by for a long time. I'd like to introduce it to you. And for everybody who thinks it's unfair, you're just going to have to learn life's unfair, okay? Here's the, the statement I've lived by. I can't help everyone but I can help someone. I never understood when I went to class and I was chewing a piece of bubble gum and only had one more stick in my pocket why the teacher would turn to me and say, hey, Ty, did you bring enough for everybody? (laughs) Well, you know I didn't bring enough for everybody, but I brought enough for somebody. And I don't see why you're going to have me spit my gum out because I didn't bring enough for everybody when now because no everybody can't get a piece of gum, somebody can't have a piece of gum. I'm willing to share this last piece of gum with everybody, but the reason why the teacher would say, wait, you're going to have to bring enough for everybody is because it's just not fair. 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 And my thinking was, wait, 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 what's fair about life? Nothing's fair about life. But the dangerous thing is, is that most people end up not helping anyone because someone didn't get attention. And we end up not helping someone because everyone isn't given something. And it's this moment to where I, time out, do we stop doing things because we didn't have enough for everyone and so we didn't help someone? And I think we should stop and realize if I can do something for someone and keep doing something for someone and live a life of I can't do everything for everyone, but I can do something for someone and live a life where it's someone else. I think you can look back over life and realize because you were willing to do something for someone, it ended up blessing everyone. Six people thought that was a good idea. The rest of the bubble gum and the people in the room still trying to figure out what I said. What if we did something for someone and look back over a life and see if it served an entire generation? Because you know you didn't have enough for everyone, but you had enough for someone. And one man can make a difference. Today I've asked two people to come and um, just let us talk to you and interview you and, and um, just kind of get the feel of how big of an issue this is. And I hope today, if you don't have anything else but information, uh, you've left with a lot. Uh, by all means, I want you to know, we're not asking you to become foster parents. But some of the data you're going to hear today will show that if we all jump in and help a little bit, it'll end up helping everyone. Would you help me welcome two of my favorite foster moms in the whole world, Abby Haggard and Katie Sejimba. Woohoo! Hey. This is your fourth time to do this. Yeah. What did you think of the first three times you did it? Well, I think it, I mean, I every time counts. I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a great time. response. It was different every time. Yeah, everybody has said how great y'all have done and... And I'm, I was really ready for Monday night to get here um, because I want them to hear these, these are the best-hearted people in the whole world. Our church was built on the Monday night crowd. If there's anyone that 
that wants to make a difference but doesn't know how to necessarily, it's our, it's our Monday night crew. These are powerful people you're talking to because they love. The Monday night crew love well. And um, so can you guys kind of, Abby, you go first. Tell okay. me, what is your brief story on how did you become a foster parent? So two years ago, Easter Sunday, Pastor Ty preached a message on the orphan spirit. And really, he was talking about how we are adopted by the Father, that we are all adopted, and we've all been adopted. And that just stirred in our hearts, and it was from that Easter Sunday all the way to July, we picked up our fir- our our application after many conversations with this amazing woman and her amazing husband, Robert, and we filled out our application to become foster parents. And four months later, we were. Mm-hmm. And um, that December, we had our very first placement who um, is now becoming our son. And we're adopting him in a couple of months, Jace Christopher Haggard. <laughs> so we're so excited about that. And um, we, we basically have been on this journey for a year and a half. And um, we can just tell you we're different people. God's done a lot in our hearts and a lot in our lives and a lot in everybody else around us, their, their lives too. So it's been incredible. Katie, what's your story? Well, I've been doing foster care for about 12 years now. Um, my oldest child was one when we started. So I started while I had a small child. We have now 12 children living in our home. Now, how many are yours? How, no, not yours, but how many? <laughs> can you break it mine. down? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, Four of them are biological. One of them is a guardian. And then we have seven placements. And then I do have also, I didn't mention the other services, an adopted son. That's so cool. Twelve. Isn't that awesome? They have a, they have a Sejimbus. Yeah. They so their last names are Sejimba. And they recently just had a big bus that they got. And you call it the Sejimbus. That's right. Yeah, I love it. It's good. Okay. Can you, can you ladies tell us a little bit more? What does foster care look like in Lee County? So right now, just in Lee County, we have 140 children in foster care. Um, we have 50 foster families that are licensed. Uh, hey, let's think a, about that. A good number of them are uh, a family um, relations. So they're not actually like fostering a bunch of children. They're fostering a family member. Um, so that number dwindles quite a bit if you're just talking about foster families who are willing to take in any children. Um, and then the main reason why we have foster care in Lee County is because of substance abuse, whether it's drug or alcohol um, abuse or violence in the home. 150 ki- 140 kids, and you have 50 foster homes. Yes. Yeah. Katie, what's, what, what else? Well, the, the need is great. <laughs> so uh, what ends up happening when we can't get a placement, and uh, this is CYFD, which is Children, Youth, and Families Department, when they're not able to find a placement, then they have to look abroad for placements. That basically means they might end up taking uh, children that have a school here or that have parents, biological family members. Uh, they might end up taking them out of the community into bigger communities that have more foster homes available or residential. If the children are older, usually they unfortunately go to residential placements. So uh, that means for, for Lee County that our kids can't stay local because they have to find a place for them to go while they work everything out with the parents. That means Albuquerque? That means Roswell, that means Albuquerque, that means any of our, our larger cities. And uh, actually a lot of the residential is even some of them out of state. Yeah, so a kid, Hobbs, a Hobbs kid, it needs a foster home. 
can't find one. Everybody's maxed out. Say Jimba's can handle 12. We can't go anymore. Uh, they go to other towns. And away from family, away from kids that they knew in school, away from... Uh, so so let, let's talk about this real quick. So this is what a lot of people don't think about. So that kid now is in Albuquerque or Roswell or wherever. He doesn't know anybody, but, but if there turns 18 years old, and then what happens? So this is called aging out. And aging out means, you know, they came into care at whatever age they came into care, but they're going to be turning 18 soon. And uh, a lot of times when they come into care, they don't have a support system. A lot of their families didn't have the support that they needed in order to do what they needed to do to keep them. So their limitations are, are a lot. They have to to figure out, you know, how to live. You're 18 years old. Now you're not, you know, in the state's custody anymore. They do have transition programs. But, again, those workers aren't even local. They're coming from afar. So what's really important to these kids that are aging out is services that would be like mentoring and help with, a, you know, money management, um, a, you know, any kind of donation that helps them move, move forward in their life. And I think the best is just giving them your time and, and uh, someone that knows that they're there to help if they need help, uh, whether that's, again, a car, you know, a junker, just to get to their work or to their job or help them with the job or help them with the application process and a resume, you know, a suit, a tie, you know, the whole, the whole thing. They, they don't have that support uh, most likely by the time they, they've turned 18 unless their foster family is still willing to just hang on to them, but they're not allowed to stay and live with them. So let me tell you why this is a big deal for me. Um, I, I showed the girls something they didn't know the other day, but as a pastor in the conversations I find myself in is uh, the correlation between the amount of foster kids in a community and the amount of churches in that same community is a really interesting uh, data fact that if there's uh, 140 kids in a community, there will be that or, or almost that amount of churches in the same town. Or you look at it vice versa. And, and that's the, when I go, told the girls that, the, the process began to take place. And it is really interesting, the conversations that happen in church circles, looking at pastors saying, did you know that if every church in America has one person that, uh, that, that fosters one child and the entire church rallies around that one family, we can eliminate the foster care need in America. Okay? It, it's, it's staggering how close the amount of churches to the amount of foster kids in a community are so closely related. And in this church alone, how many foster families and how many foster kids are we talking about? Well, I think we said we had about five foster families um, step forward in the last couple years. And um, we're, we talked about about 20-some kids, you know, that are right here at Cowboy Junction that are, uh, that are you know, part of our, our ministry here yeah. in our classes. Okay, so with that, now all of a sudden we're beginning to put the pieces together. Can you guys start talking to us about what are some of the needs that you have in uh, the foster care system? So one of the greatest ways to help is obviously rallying around a foster um, family, but also becoming a foster parent. Um, that's a lot of um, people's greatest fears because there's such a stigma about foster care. There's a lot of fear that can go into changing your world to change the world. And it, it's no joke. It's something that the Lord it will speak to you about. The Lord may have already been speaking to you about. And um, 
keeping your heart open and willing for that is super important. But um, if that's not something you feel the Lord drawing you to, there are really awesome ways to get involved and help out. One of the ways is to become a respite parent. And what that is, is you become a licensed foster parent, but you are there for weekends only. And you get, you can choose to say yes or no if they call you for a placement that weekend. And it's three nights, and you're basically giving a foster family a break. You're giving them a, a weekend to relax and chill and or go out of town if they can't take their foster kiddos with them. Um, you're, you're letting them have a little break, and you get to know some incredible kids. And so that's an, that's an awesome way to get involved. It's an awesome way to kind of get your feet wet into the foster system. Um, also, another great way is to um, pair up with a foster family in town that you know and say, how can I help you? Can I bring you diapers once a month? Can I bring you a meal once a month? Can I do a, a, a babysitting so you can have a date night with your spouse? Um, how can I serve you in some way? Can I come over and help bathe babies? Like when I had five, under five, um, we had help people come with, people to come and bathe my kids like because it was nuts um things like that are so important and um any way that you feel like you can get involved is helpful you cut hair offer to cut um a foster family's hair offer to um do whatever your profession is to help out a foster family there's so many here that need assistance and support and just to know that they're not alone is a big deal you brought up the other day if you don't know what to do but you want to do something to walk up to a foster mom and just ask, oh, yeah. what do you need? And if you don't like option one, right. you know, like, yeah, you got B, C, D, E, F, G. And like, if you, if I turn to you and said, Abby, what can Heather and I do? And you go, you can babysit. And we go, we were thinking diapers. And you would go, you would go, absolutely. Okay. And so that's a big deal. Just ask. Katie, what else? Well, one of the things that's really helped us out has actually been through our church with uh, the Beef Initiative Project. You know, the, the church has helped us out so much once a month, just ground beef. Um, it's something, you know, you don't really think about really making a big difference, but it does because when you have that many kids, you're trying to make meals really fast. And, and grocery shopping is hard to do when you have a lot of kids. So any kind of, you know, that, that has really helped our family. We look forward to the day we can go grab our beef. And um, it's, it's something, you know, very practical. So that's what I couldn't wait to get to tonight was the Monday night crowd to hear that. Uh, Clay has worked so hard on the beef uh, program. And uh, when you uh, donate a rope and steer, a beef, uh, a, a beef, uh, or, or, or our dairies, our dairies in town have kicked in. Uh, just said, hey, pull up, and Clay goes and pulls the trailer up, and they kick three heifers, or three cows on, and uh, not calzones, cows on, and, and we take them to Roswell, take them to Roswell, and, and it's just a God thing that the USDA plant for hamburgers is right there in Roswell, process it, comes in two pound uh, vacuum seal packets, uh, some goes to the Salvation Army and Mana Outreach and stuff like that to help with the homeless, but um, we have our own freezer here, and we have everybody up on a schedule, how am I doing, Clay? They're doing great, and everybody's up on a schedule in the foster care program. And um, we, we put this food out there, we, the hamburger, and you're feeding an army yes. 12 a day, three times a day, Good 14 Lord. a day, Holy including you too. Yes, and then you guys. <laughs> we too. Yeah, and so, and so I just wanted to show you. See, this is how a church rallies around. It, yeah. That's what we do. We have beef. 
And so for all the ropers that have donated a steer and for all the cowboys that donated a, a, a beef and for all the, all the dairy guys who, who uh, provided milk and meat. That's pretty good right there. Uh, it, yeah, it's a pretty you. neat deal. What else, thank Ab? You, thank you. Um, there's just, like I said, ask. Um, and we actually are going to have a table out here in the lobby after service. And we'd love to talk with you if you have questions or you just kind of want to know a little bit more about what's going on. It's, that's the thing is... It's such a big need, but it's not talked about very much. And um, I didn't know hardly anything about it before a year and a half ago. And um, that's the thing. It's such a taboo topic. It's something, if you're not familiar with it, you just don't touch it. And we want you to. We want you to dive in and ask questions and, and ask the hard questions because it's hard. It's not an easy thing, but it is a necessary thing. And so we just believe that all together we're better. And we, we want to do that. We want to do this life together. So. Yeah, I wanted to say something about the, uh, the, the fostering out. And we've, we've talked a lot about this. Um, the, the child, 18-year-old child, he's 18, she's 18 now. It's not that they're being kicked out. They have to leave. And the reason they have to leave is because they are now an adult. And you have to f- go through all kinds of testing and, and, and training and different things to now as an adult be with... Um, kids that are in the foster system. Um, they are not trained. And so now it's not that they're kicked out. They have to leave. You know, if we just looked right now and see how scary it would be to be an 18-year-old with parents and with money and with time, with, with all these things, but to be a foster child where you have parents, but they're now asking you to leave and you can always come back. Katie, you've made that mention. You told your kids a million times. You can always, this is your home. It's different, though. You have to leave. If a church rallied around and said, I've got a rental property. I'd love to yeah. put some kids in. Uh, I've got this car. It doesn't run well. But it will get someone to a job. For every business owner in this room, if you just made room for a couple foster kids that are fostering out to say, listen, this may take a little time. This may take a little energy. Uh, but we can train them. And we can make a hand out of them, uh, making jobs available for them, uh, helping them get dressed, helping them with a resume, all these different things. This is how we build adults um, in our community. And it's something that I think you could be very proud of uh, when they turn to you and say, what do you do for this community? And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to know that every year we, we, we purposely hire at least two foster kids to come to work for us. And we work them during the summer. And we work them. And, and it's doing these things to where if we just walk with our eyes open, right. um, we can see adults, good adults, come into our community that um, that's pretty special. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say? No. I mean, I think it's really been said. But, I mean, we, we are, the church is definitely the one that is able to, to help and, and to really learn how to love um, love on these people. And uh, they... And I would just encourage you to kind of imagine, you know, what it would look like to, to help someone that's been through an already pretty traumatic life and try and keep that um, from cycling around again by being that person that really intervenes in their life and makes a difference. It's really good. It's good. Give it up. Did they do great? <clears throat> this is one of my favorite scriptures in regards of what, what does it look like when you actually do something. And in Matthew uh, chapter 25, it says this, And the righteous will answer to him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? 
and when do we feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see, a, see you as a stranger? When do we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When do we do this? Or did, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? This is a great question. These are people, this is Jesus saying, thank you for doing this to me. And they said, when did we do this? And Jesus answers and he tells them this. And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Uh, this is a, a, a portion of scripture that I think we have to stop and pause and realize that, that Jesus is showing us that a little goes a long way. A little really does go a long way. Abby was talking to me uh, yesterday about someone recently just uh, did a ding-dong ditch. And I know for all the country people, you've got to run a long way to do a ding-dong ditch by your house. But, but in the city, they, you, know, you ring a, a doorbell, it goes ding-dong, and you just take off running, and you laugh because somebody uh, answered, opened the door and nobody was standing there. Well, someone did a ding-dong diaper ditch. Uh, to Abby and, and Chris and, and they opened up the door and there's just these boxes of diapers sitting over there and, and they, they, she just said you just don't know how much it blessed us to, to get that and, and that's, that's something that we have to stop and pause and think about and chew on and um, I think for college students to stop and pause and think um, what does life look like when someone at your age assists someone who every adult they might have ever known they couldn't trust but then someone comes in just at the right age, just at the right place in life to where you're different, you look different, you act different, you're old but you're not that old. And it's just one of these moments to where you don't know the special place you are in your life for someone who has never had the ability to trust someone but has never had someone your age come into their life. What could you do for someone? And when you do it for them, you're actually doing it for Jesus. And that's pretty neat to think about. Um, so we've talked about um, the uh, issue of foster care, but there's a second thing. I told you there was two things today, and this is the awkward one. This is the really, really awkward one, and it's, it's worth talking about. It's the issue of sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is an issue in our community, and it is an issue in the world we live in today. And, and Cowboy Junction has made a purpose, a strong purpose, to stand up and to shine some light in some areas that number one not a light a lot of light shine in and it, it you don't sometimes like what you see um the deal issue with sex trafficking is um we live in an oil-filled town and whether you like it or not this is a major issue where we're, where we're at and the reason why you put the two together the fostering and the sex trafficking is if we don't value young people's lives someone will put a value on their life Okay. And this is the part where sleepy little um, uh, country people need to really wake up and realize that we could lose our community. We could lose our most precious commodity, our children, if we don't walk with our eyes open. Here's the deal. If I was to walk to every parent in the room, I bet you're packing right now because you care, your, you, you care for your kids so much. But I'm not talking about necessarily your kids, though they're, they're, they're very important. I'm talking about some kids that we may not know kids that we're not related to, kids that might not have great parents, and we could look at them and judge them and be angry and frustrated, but the fact is is that they're still in our community, and this is still a representation of our community. And this issue, this is my fourth time to teach, and let me tell you, it has been a weird, weird 
something that happens when we bring this on. For the last three services, I wasn't prepared for the awkwardness of looking into the crowd as people were just uncomfortable. And there were, there were people who just couldn't look at me. And, and let me just tell you, if you're in this room, no one is here to make you feel bad. In fact, what we're trying to do is shine a light on not only helping the innocent, but also turning a predator's heart around into being a protector. God can do a restoration. He really can't. God can do a restoration without a doubt. So the reason why we bring this up is because there are people who need healing. Um, in today's society, I think one of the things you need to notice is recently in the news, something came up that happened during the Super Bowl. Now, uh, I was blessed many years ago to be living in Phoenix when the Super Bowl was in Phoenix. I received so much information on this subject as pastors were pulled together and we were told things that I was completely unaware of. Some of the things about the Super Bowl that maybe you not be aware of is it's the number one sex trafficking week of the entire year in all of the United States. And the reason why is because there's so many people, men in particular, who travel to one specific spot to celebrate the Super Bowl, but when people move uh, all of, uh, I guess, their business there, um, it's for a reason. It's because a bunch of men have got together in a town to celebrate a Super Bowl. Um, I was in shock to see uh, what happens in a town that is hosting a Super Bowl when it comes to sex trafficking. Even to the point, I think one of the things that really stood out to me the most was that th- these, these brothels were semis. And literally there were mobile stations that the semi was turned into rooms. And they would pick you up, they would drop you off, and they would just drive around the city. And it just, these things just blew my mind. Coming from southeastern New Mexico, Artesia boy, I didn't... I, it just blew my mind. The reason why this is such a big deal to talk about is because recently we're trying to put the two and two together because when you think, who are the people who participate in stuff like this? And it's not necessarily who you think they are. Um, in the news, we see that the owner of one of the teams that made the Super Bowl is now under investigation for being videotaped twice going to a place that, that was basically a massage parlor but it was doing more than that. And here you have this man saying, I didn't do that. They said, dude, we've got videotape of you. And the reason why I bring this up, the reason why I bring this up is because he's not the kind of guy, a, a, a Super Bowl winning team owner, a, a, a great businessman, somebody, somebody who, who has actually been a blessing to his community would do something like this. And it's really hard, I've noticed, for people to put the two issues together, what they look like and what they're doing. And, and I have a friend that is in Las Vegas. And in Las Vegas, he uh, was a part of a sting. And in the sting, he, he said the biggest shocker for me was two things. One, uh, we were putting the sting together, and before we could get to the hotel where the sting was going to go down, people were already on our website, and we received 500, fo- well, 500 texts before we could drive from the police station to the hotel room. 500 texts in just the five minutes it took to drive from the police station to the hotel room. He said the second shocker was this. He said, you always envision them to be um, men that, that, that just, it just, he just looks like that kind of guy. He just looks, and he said, it was a shock for me. It was pastors. It was school teachers. It was um, 
it was military, it, it was uh, successful businessmen. And it's, it, he said, it just blew my mind that nine out of ten were men I never would have thought. And so the questions that I want to bring up, and here's a, a few of the questions, uh, is this one. What's missing in men today? It's a great question. What's missing in men today to where we are predators and not protectors? And, and if we don't start as a community walking with our eyes open and realizing that we either value life or we choose death for someone. We either value life or we choose death. This is uh, what's missing in men's hearts today is something that, that over Father's Day and different days, we're going to look at uh, building men up, not, not bringing them down, making them feel guilty. We're not asking this question to make everybody feel bad. We're asking this question so that we can start putting a value back on men's hearts to say, I think you'd be a better protector than the predator that you are right now. And you may not believe me, meaning the, the person I'm talking to, person in the room right now would go, no, I don't know how I get there. I know, I know, I know. But I think God can do something. And what could be missing in your heart that could keep you from being the man that God's called you to be? And the next question is this, is how can we impact the decisions of men today? How can we do that? How can we put in front of them the opportunity to be the people, the person that God's called them to be? Uh, here's a couple things that I want to close with. And this involves our whole church, okay? And, and, and involving our whole church, these are some stuff that I think we can start doing to battle for our community better, okay? Here's one. I think we just simply start walking with our eyes open. Come on, we all live busy lives, every one of us. Every one of us is nonstop. You got bills to pay, I've got bills to pay. I got people that want my time. I know people want your time. I know your kids are active and my kids are active. And it, uh, there are, there's so much of me that I can't spend a part of me anymore. I'm kind of tapped out. However, if I convince myself of that, I will never see what God wants me to see. Right. And there's always room. And there should always be room for whatever God wants to show me. Let's develop an attitude that whatever God wants to introduce in my life, I will shut my world down for Him to show me whatever it is He wants to show me. And you may not have all the answers in the world, but when we start walking with our eyes open, we can start being a blessing. When we start realizing that instead of excluding my kids from helping, I might need to include my kids in helping. Instead of it being just a me thing, it might need to turn into a we thing. But the more that we start walking with our eyes open towards the foster care system, we're going to see that we can be a blessing. What about if we start walking with our eyes open when it comes to something in our community that shouldn't be here? Uh, just in three messages of me preaching here on this stage on the sex trafficking in Lee County, New Mexico, do you know that I have had several conversations and I have had emails from people that have just sent me an email and said, Ty, I, I need it today so bad because there's things I see at work that I'm really concerned and I don't know what to do. And these are people who, who go to work, hear conversations, um, are part of emails or a part of texts, 
funny little things that take place and all of a sudden something's said and you, you would turn and go, what did he just say? What, seriously, what did he just say? And you're driving down the road and you get nauseous in your stomach because you're thinking, I, don't, I can't believe that came out of his mouth. And it's something to the relation of um, as one incredible man in our church just spoke to me the other day and said, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that in, in, in Lee County, New Mexico, it's, it's cleaning services. It's oil-filled cleaning services. That on one side, it's, it's advertised as, as uh, we, kill, we, we, we clean offices and nobody even thinks about it because we're moving so fast that the flip side is, is they're not a cleaning service. I'd never know that. I would never know that. But do you realize if we just start having conversations, we don't jump to conclusions, we don't kick a door down, we just stop and pause and think, what do you do? When we start walking with our eyes open. Here's the second thing, and we're going to wrap up with this. What if we started to see something and say something? What, what if the foster care system, we just started to see something and say something? See something and say something. And what if we were in life and we actually saw something that we weren't really sure what to do with what we saw? What if we say something to somebody? Hey, what would you do? What would you do in, in people that you trust and you love? What would you do if you saw this and you knew something was going on? And this is how we start winning the battle over our community. What do you think? Yeah. Okay, listen. <sighs> it's a hard conversation. Yeah. It's not fun. I think I used enough scripture today to make you at least go home to feel like you got fed something. But this is something Jesus would have taught on. Don't be blind. There are needs in this world. And everything we saw from David, David stepped into the purpose of God in his life and he served his generation and he died. And what a great story. And you see that if we give water the least of them, we're actually giving them to Jesus. And if we rescue someone, we're actually doing it for Jesus. Your life matters. But I'm going to wrap this up. And I pulled out an old song. Old song. Anybody remember Montgomery Gentry? Montgomery Gentry, man. The Nashvilleness Nashville band you ever saw in your entire life. But they had this one song. You remember this old song? You remember he goes, and this is my town. Na 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 na. Remember? I remember that. I remember the words were easy. I remember, but I don't, here's why I love this song. He starts off and he talks about, hey, when you pull into my town, there's a tractor sitting on the corner and a, and a for sale sign been sitting there for years. And he starts talking about how that's this tractor set there forever and no one's ever going to buy it. And now we use it as a direction giver. Turn right at the tractor, turn left at the tractor. And, and it makes me laugh because I know that town. I know that town. We don't have the tractor. We got a caboose, you know, and, and we move the caboose. Now everybody's in Levington's lost now. No one knows what to do. Yeah, and it's, just, it's my town. It's my town. It's my town. And the reason why I want to play it, I want to keep playing it, keep playing it. This is my town. Is because every one of us lives in a town. 
And I don't want to be really corny here, but I do want you to kind of stir something up. I hope right now you're getting a little chicken skin on your back. I hope you're kind of getting some chicken skin on your, on your skin because you know where I'm about to go with this. You know where I'm going to go with this. But sometimes I think we get so busy we forget we live in my town. This is my town. This is my town. This is my town. And what kind of legacy do you want to leave? You only have one thing in, in this. You, got, you get to live in one town. This is your town. And it may be Eunice, it may be Jow, Tatum. Tatum needs more people rallying beside it, but behind it, behind, besides the same old people rallying. We got to figure, this is my town. Humble City, this is my town. And, and, and I, I want to say something I just want you to take to heart. And I think it should be a statement that we just get in our heart. My town's going to have to go past me to get to hell. My town's going to have to go through me before it actually gets to hell. And if we all of a sudden start thinking that my friends are going to have to go through me before they get to hell. Let me just say something real quick. This may be the shocker. Hell's hard to get to. No, I'm serious. Everybody thinks hell's the easiest place to go to. No, 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 no. Hell's the hardest place to get to. Because for you to get to hell, you're going to have to walk past your pastor. And you're going to have to walk past the people in your church who love you. And, and to get to hell, you're going to have to walk over your, your family. And to get to hell, you're going to have to walk over friends who care about you. And to get to hell, to get to hell, the last and final thing is you're going to have to step over the beaten, broken body of Jesus to finally get to hell. Hell is hard to get to, but for every one of us, let me just ask you this. Are you leading to more death in this community, or are you finally producing life? And the life more abundant. And the life that God has for you. And in this town, this is my town. And until we start stepping up and say, this is the only town God's given me. This is my town. And this town's going to have to walk through me. This is my town to get to hell. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And right now, all over this room, are people who represent their town, their community. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to them. I pray, Father, that everybody in the room, with your head bowed, I just want you to pray for your little community right now. I want you to pray for your town. A cool little place you get to live. I want you to pray for your street. Think of those, all those folks that you see every day driving up and down that street. <clears throat> your high school. Why don't you just pray for your high school real quick? Junior highs, elementary, city officials. This is my town. And Father, I pray right now that you would just open our eyes. How can I be a blessing? Lord, today I pray that you would show us how. I pray that husbands and wives would have a conversation. You know, we're not as active as we should be. You know, we don't know. We don't know people like we should. And it's not being popular. It's just, do we ever ask the right people, how can I help? We've gotten, gotten way too comfortable. And Father, today I pray something stirs up in our hearts. Because this is my town. Lord, we love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand our feet. If you're here and you need some prayer, our prayer team would love to pray for you. Cowboy Junction, it's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. See you later.